Chapter Thirteen of In the Days of Giants. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. In the Days of Giants by Abby Farwell Brown. Thor's Duel. In the days that are past, a wonderful race of horses pastured in the meadows of heaven steeds more beautiful and more swift than any which the world knows to-day there was whimfaxi the black sleek horse who drew the chariot of night across the sky and scattered the dew from his foaming bit there was glad behind whose flying heels sped the swift chariot of day his mane was yellow with gold and from it beamed light which made the whole world bright then there were the two shining horses of the sun arvikur the watchful and Alsvith the rapid and the nine fierce battle-chargers of the nine valkyries who bore the bodies of fallen heroes from the field of fight to the blessedness of valhalla each of the gods had his own glorious steed with such pretty names as gold-mane and silver-top lightfoot and precious stone these galloped with their masters over clouds and through the blue air blowing flame from their nostrils and glinting sparks from their fiery eyes the Aesir would have been poor indeed without their faithful mounts, and few would be the stories to tell in which these noble creatures do not bear at least a part. But best of all the horses of heaven was Slepner, the eight-legged steed of Father Odin, who, because he was so well supplied with sturdy feet, could gallop faster over land and sea than any horse which ever lived. Slepner was snow-white and beautiful to see, and Odin was very fond and proud of him, you may be sure. He loved to ride forth upon his good horse's back to meet whatever adventure might be upon the way, and sometimes they had wild times together. One day Odin galloped off from Osgard upon Sleipner straight towards Jotunheim and the land of giants, for it was a long time since all father had been to the cold country, and he wished to see how its mountains and ice rivers looked now as he galloped along a wild road he met a huge giant standing beside his giant steed who goes there cried the giant gruffly blocking the way so that odin could not pass you with the golden helmet who are you who ride so famously through air and water for i have been watching you from this mountain-top truly that is a fine horse which you bestride there is no finer horse in all the world boasted odin have you not heard of Slepner, the pride of Osgard? I will match him against any of your big clumsy giant horses. Ho! roared the giant angrily. An excellent horse he is, your little Slepner, but I warrant he is no match for my golfaxi here. Come, let us try a race, and at its end I shall pay you for your insult to our horses of Jotunheim. So saying, the giant, whose ugly name was Rungnir, sprang upon his horse and spurred straight at odin in the narrow way odin turned and galloped back towards osgard with all his might for not only must he prove his horse's speed but he must save himself and Slepner from the anger of the giant who was one of the fiercest and wickedest of all his fierce and wicked race how the eight slender legs of Slepner twinkled through the blue sky how his nostrils quivered and shot forth fire and smoke like a flash of lightning he darted across the sky, 
and the giant horse rumbled and thumped along close behind like the thunder following the flash hi hi yelled the giant after them gullfaxi and when we have overtaken the two we will crush their bones between us speed speed my slepner shouted odin speed good horse or you will never again feed in the dewy pastures of osgard with the other horses speed speed and bring us safe within the gates well slepner understood what his master said and well he knew the way already the rainbow bridge was in sight with heimdall the watchman prepared to let them in his sharp eyes had spied them afar and had recognized the flash of sleipner's white body and of odin's golden helmet gallop and thud the twelve hoofs were upon the bridge the giant horse close behind the other at last rungner knew where he was and into what danger he was rushing he pulled at the reins and tried to stop his great beast but gullfaxi was tearing along at too terrible a speed he could not stop heimdall threw open the gates of osgard and in galloped sleipner with his precious burden safe close upon them bolted in gullfaxi bearing his giant master puffing and purple in the face from hard riding and anger clang clang heimdall had shut and barred the gates and there was the giant prisoned in the castle of his enemies now the aesir were courteous folk unlike the giants and they were not anxious to take advantage of a single enemy thus thrown into their power they invited him to enter valhalla with them to rest and sup before the long journey of his return thor was not present so they filled for the giant the great cups which thor was wont to drain for they were nearest to the giant's size but you remember that thor was famous for his power to drink deep rungner's head was not so steady thor's draught was too much for him he soon lost his wits of which he had but few and a witless giant is a most dreadful creature he raged like a madman and threatened to pick up valhalla like a toy house and carry it home with him to jotunheim he said he would pull asgard to pieces and slay all the gods except freya the fair and sif the golden-haired wife of thor whom he would carry off like little dolls for his toy house the aesir knew not what to do for thor and his hammer were not there to protect them and asgard seemed in danger with this enemy within its very walls rungner called for more and more mead which freya alone dared to bring and set before him and the more he drank the fiercer he became at last the aesir could bear no longer his insults and his violence besides they feared that there would be no more mead left for their banquets if their unwelcome visitor should keep freya pouring out for him thor's mighty goblets they bade heimdall blow his horn and summon thor and this heimdall did in a trice now rumbling and thundering in his chariot of goats came thor he dashed into the hall hammer in hand and stared in amazement at the unwieldy guest whom he found there a giant feasting in osgard hall he roared this is a sight which i never saw before who gave the insolent fellow leave to sit in my place and why does fair freya wait upon him as if he were some noble guest at a feast of the high gods i will slay him at once and he raised the hammer to keep his word thor's coming had sobered the giant somewhat for he knew that this was no enemy to be trifled with he looked at thor sulkily and said i am odin's guest 
he invited me to this banquet and therefore i am under his protection you shall be sorry that you accepted the invitation cried thor balancing his hammer and looking very fierce for sif had sobbed in his ear how the giant had threatened to carry her away rungner now rose to his feet and faced thor boldly for the sound of thor's gruff voice had restored his scattered wits i am here alone and without weapons he said you would do ill to slay me now it would be little like the noble thor of whom we hear tales to do such a thing the world will count you braver if you let me go and meet me later in single combat when we shall both be fairly armed thor dropped the hammer to his side your words are true he said for he was a just and honorable fellow i was foolish to leave my shield and stone club at home went on the giant if i had my arms with me we would fight at this moment but i name you a coward if you slay me now an unarmed enemy your words are just quoth thor again i have never before been challenged by any foe i will meet you rungar at your stone city midway between heaven and earth and there we shall fight a duel to see which of us is the better fellow rungner departed for stone city in jotunheim and great was the excitement of the other giants when they heard of the duel which one of their number was to fight with thor the deadliest enemy of their race we must be sure that rungner wins the victory they cried it will never do to have osgard victorious in the first duel that we have fought with her champion we will make a second hero to aid rungner all the giants set to work with a will they brought great buckets of moist clay and heaping them up into a large mound moulded the mass with their giant hands as a sculptor does his image until they had made a man of clay an immense dummy nine miles high and three miles wide now we must put a heart into him they cried but they could find no heart big enough until they thought of taking that of a mare and that fitted nicely a mare's heart is the most cowardly one that beats rungner's heart was a three-cornered piece of hard stone his head was also of stone and likewise the great shield which he held before him when he stood outside of stone city waiting for thor to come to the duel over his shoulder he carried his club and that also was of stone the kind from which whetstones are made hard and terrible by his side stood the huge clay man makaralfi and they were a dreadful sight to see these two vast bodies whom thor must encounter but at the very first sight of thor who came thundering to the place with swift thialfi his servant the timid mare's heart in the man of clay throbbed with fear he trembled so that his knees knocked together and his nine miles of height rocked unsteadily thialfi ran up to rungner and began to mock him saying you are careless giant i fear you do not know what a mighty enemy has come to fight you you hold your shield in front of you but that will serve you nothing thor has seen this he has only to go down into the earth and he can attack you conveniently from beneath your very feet at this terrifying news rungner hastened to throw his shield upon the ground and to stand upon it so that he might be safe from thor's understroke he grasped his heavy club with both hands and waited he had not long to wait there came a blinding flash of lightning and a peal of crashing thunder thor had cast his hammer into space rungner raised his club with both hands 
and hurled it against the hammer which he saw flying towards him the two mighty weapons met in the air with an ear-splitting shock hard as was the stone of the giant's club it was like glass against the power of mylnir the club was dashed into pieces some fragments fell upon the earth and these they say are the rocks from which whetstones are made into this day they are so hard that men use them to sharpen knives and axes and scythes one splinter of the hard stone struck thor himself in the forehead with so fierce a blow that he fell forward upon the ground and thialfi feared that he was killed but mylnir not even stopped in its course by meeting the giant's club sped straight to rungnir and crushed his stony skull so that he fell forward over thor and his foot lay on the fallen hero's neck and that was the end of the giant whose head and heart were of stone meanwhile thialfi the swift had fought with the man of clay and had found little trouble in toppling him to earth for the mare's cowardly heart in his great body gave him little strength to meet thor's faithful servant and the trembling limbs of makaralfi soon yielded to thialfi's hearty blows he fell like an unsteady tower of blocks and his brittle bulk shivered into a thousand fragments thialfi ran to his master and tried to raise him the giant's great foot still rested upon his neck and all thialfi's strength could not move it away swift as the wind he ran for the other Isar, and when they heard that great thor their champion had fallen and seemed like one dead they came rushing to the spot in horror and confusion together they all attempted to raise rungnir's foot from thor's neck that they might see whether their hero lived or no but all their efforts were in vain the foot was not to be lifted by Isar might at this moment a second hero appeared upon the scene it was magni the son of thor himself magni who was but three days old yet already in his babyhood was almost as big as a giant and had nearly the strength of his father this wonderful youngster came running to the place where his father lay surrounded by a group of sad-faced and despairing gods when magni saw what the matter was he seized rungner's enormous foot in both hands heaved his broad young shoulders and in a moment thor's neck was free of the weight which was crushing it best of all it proved that thor was not dead only stunned by the blow of the giant's club and by his fall he stirred sat up painfully and looked around him at the group of eager friends who lifted the weight from my neck he asked it was i father answered magni modestly thor clasped him in his arms and hugged him tight beaming with pride and gratitude truly you are a fine child he cried one to make glad your father's heart now as a reward for your first great deed you shall have a gift from me the swift horse of rungner shall be yours that same gulfaxi who was the beginning of all this trouble you shall ride gulfaxi only a giant steed is strong enough to bear the weight of such an infant prodigy as you my magni now this word did not wholly please father odin for he thought that a horse so excellent ought to belong to him he took thor aside and argued that but for him there would have been no duel no horse to win thor answered simply true father odin you began this trouble but i have fought your battle destroyed your enemy and suffered great pain for you surely i have won the horse fairly and may give it to whom i choose 
my son who has saved me deserves a horse as good as any yet as you have proved even gullfaxi is scarce a match for your sleepner verily father odin you should be content with the best odin said no more now thor went home to his cloud palace in thrudvang and there he was healed of all his hurts except that which the splinter of stone had made in his forehead for the stone was embedded so fast that it could not be taken out and thor suffered sorely thereafter sif his yellow-haired wife was in despair knowing not what to do at last she bethought her of the wise woman groa who had skill in all manner of herbs and witch charms sif sent for groa who lived all alone and sad because her husband orvindil had disappeared she knew not whither groa came to thor and standing beside his bed while he slept sang strange songs and gently waved her hands over him immediately the stone in his forehead began to loosen and thor opened his eyes the stone is loosening the stone is coming out he cried how can i reward you gentle dame prithee what is your name my name is groa answered the woman weeping wife of Vorvandil, who is lost now then i can reward you kind groa cried thor for i can bring you tidings of your husband i met him in the cold country in jotunheim the land of giants which you know i sometimes visit for a bit of good hunting it was by elivagar's icy river that i met orvindil and there was no way for him to cross so i put him in an iron basket and myself bore him over the flood Burr! but that is a cold land his feet stuck out through the meshes of the basket and when we reached the other side one of his toes was frozen stiff so i broke it off and tossed it high up into the sky that it might become a star to prove that what i relate is true groa there is a new star shining over us at this very moment look from this day it shall be known to men as orvindil's toe do not you weep any longer after all the loss of a toe is a little thing and i promise that your husband shall soon return to you safe and sound but for that small token of his wanderings in the land where visitors are not welcome at these joyful tidings poor groa was so overcome that she fainted and that put an end to the charm which she was weaving to loosen the stone from thor's forehead the stone was not yet wholly free and thenceforth it was in vain to attempt its removal thor must always wear the splinter in his forehead groa could never forgive herself for the carelessness which had thus made her skill vain to help one to whom she had reason to be so grateful now because of the bit of whetstone in thor's forehead folk of olden time were very careful how they used a whetstone and especially they knew that they must not throw or drop one on the floor for when they did so the splinter in thor's forehead was jarred and the good asa suffered great pain end of thor's duel recording by dion johns salt lake city utah